0: Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. Matt, as we sit here in mid to late June, there is not too much going on in the NFL offseason. Things are kind of settled. The training camp uh, is in the future. OTAs are finished. We are waiting for the Jets to do anything, possibly maybe signing a Dalvin Cook, possibly may- maybe signing a DeAndre Hopkins. Definitely signing an Adrian Amos, and that's where we'll start to lead off the show tonight with Chuck Clark. uh, Safety they just traded for from the Ravens earlier in the offseason, officially now down with a torn ACL. He will be out for the year. The Jets quickly pivoted, signed another former Packer, funny enough, in Adrian Amos to be their replacement. uh, Next man up as their likely starting free safety. Um, This is a tough blow. Clark was expected to be a starter. I think he was a guy we were all very excited for seeing this role. Very versatile player up until... This time in this injury, a a very consistent and reliable player that hadn't missed a start in like four plus seasons. Uh, One of the few guys in the league to be on the field that much that consistently in a row. So it's going to be a a big hole to fill. I think this is interesting. And this is where I want to start with you, Matt, just your reaction of the Amos signing in general. And for me, really. It's going to be a bit of time for him to get adjusted because he's not coming from a defense that's pretty similar to what Robert solid does. He, he's coming from a Joe Barry defense that's a lot more three-four based. They play a bit more cover four on the back end. Before that, he was in Chicago with Vic Fangio, same sort of deal. This is a completely different scheme and a completely different style of play where he's going to be that single high guy early in downs and then playing man to man on third downs. It's going to be an adjustment for him.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not too. Uh, high on the Amos. I, I love Amos, and he was a guy that I liked coming out uh, many moons ago. Uh, but at this point, and with our defense, uh, I think that it's just not going to be his year. Uh, I look at Whitehead last year, and I look at other uh, defenders when they join our defense, and how it takes a, a bit of time for them to really get situated, to really get their feet under them. Uh, I don't think that Amos is going to come in from the defense that you just mentioned uh, and pick up our defense right away and be the kind of guy that we really need him to be. Um, Clark was really going to be that general in the secondary. Like, yeah, yeah we've got the talent of sauce and Reed, uh, but we, Clark could be like the CJ Mosley in the secondary, the guy that just gets everybody in the right position. Uh, and to limit mistakes. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Somebody that can limit the mistakes, uh, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, because that is really where we were getting eaten up alive last year, was in the middle of the field, whether it was the linebackers or the safeties, uh, mostly the safeties. Uh, so I was really looking forward to that stability uh, in the safety position. Without Clark, uh, I think it going to be a little bit like last year, where it's just going to be Whitehead who maybe uh, does a little bit better in his second year in the defense. Um, but at the same time, even a, a lot of people look at what Whitehead did last year as a poor outing, even though it was pretty much average for his career, uh, if not even a little bit better. So I, I don't expect him to really make a huge jump, but maybe uh, the mistakes I think that were made uh, will be cleaned up a little bit. Uh, so, really, next to him, it's who Amos, who I think yep. is, are going to go through some of the same problems that Whitehead did last year, making mistakes. Uh, and then you have Adams, uh, who may be the dark horse here and getting most of the starting snaps uh, next to Whitehead. And Amos is really just becomes glorified depth at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Tony Adams, because I think this is a, a great opportunity for him to go out and win the job. Adrian Amos is making pennies. He, he's not making a lot of money. It's like a one point five million base, like up to four million in incentives. If he ends up being a backup, it's not going to kill them. They don't no. they aren't paying him guaranteed starter level money to where it's his job and there's not going to be competition. If Tony Adams is the better player, he should and likely will get the starting job. And so I think that's a, a huge opportunity for him coming up in this training camp to have an opportunity where you are familiar with the defense. You're in year two. You were here all of last year. You've only been in this scheme as a pro athlete in your second year as a UDFA. You know, this is what you're used to for Amos. He hasn't played, you know, like I mentioned, he hasn't come from a, a, a defense that has really played this sort of scheme in a long time. When he was in college at Penn State, he was in something a little more similar. But like you said, that was many moons ago. It's been a long time. He's had to learn a lot and do a lot of different things in the NFL as compared to what he was doing in college. And it helps that he's done it before somewhat, but it still might be a transition to go back into a different style of coverage with a little bit different responsibilities, a little bit different style of play. It's going to be a bit of an adjustment. And Tony Adams is a huge opportunity to step in and take that role. Um, I want to float something to you that I hadn't Mm -hmm. thought of until today, but as we've seen with this team and I'm going to go ahead and, knock on wood before i even talk but we never know what's going to happen and unexpected injuries that or bad play scenarios can can completely mess things up and we'll see that when the jets know something isn't working they're going to put in somebody else and see if they will so my thought is if amos really struggles and it doesn't seem like he's doing much good and adams isn't you know quite clicking there in that that same sort of back end either and assuming they are comfortable enough with guys like Javelin Gidry and Brandon Eccles and maybe Jark Bernard Converse, their other six round rookie this year, how would you feel about maybe making Michael Carter the second of free safety? Because I think he might have just the type of skill set to actually really be good at that role. Where even though he's smaller, you'd like to see a safety be a bit bigger. He's a very secure tackler in space. He plays plenty of snaps as that nickel defender where he's basically a seventh or eighth man in the box and he's having to take on tight ends and make tackles in the run game. And he does a pretty good job of it. We've seen he's had great eyes in zone coverage to be able to intercept a couple of passes. One might've been called back against the Patriots, but for all intents and purposes on film, that was a pick and that was him showcasing great eyes to make it happen. We know we can play man to man. I'm I, I think it could be a solid fit and I don't think it's going to happen barring some sort of disaster scenario, but we saw AVT jump out to tackle when when no one thought that that was a possibility in the summer, and, and that ended up being real. So I'm wondering if that's an option. Uh, I think it's more than an option. It's it's
1: most likely likely if it, if things go south with uh, our depth at safety. Uh, I can absolutely see that uh, because as of right now, uh, it's we we kind of use uh, a, a slot corner uh maybe even a little bit more than two safeties, I believe. I, I think Carter was on the field a lot more than uh some of the safeties. So I, I would have to look at the, the snap counts to confirm that. But uh and I I kinda remember during camp there was video of, of the coaches talking about Carter and how his eyes are so good and that he doesn't miss. He he doesn't make mistakes. And that's kind of what you want. If, uh, if we're struggling there, you kind of want that guy that can uh, be the force that we need uh, in the slot. He can play the slot already. Uh, and I think he we already has the eyes. He has the instinct. He's got the knowledge and the comfortability the in scheme. our defense. He knows the scheme. So I think it would be uh, a decently easy transition. Uh, it might have some bumps in the beginning, but I think uh, he's got the... The the knowledge he's got the talent uh, to really settle in and make that a home, Uh, and to really not really like miss a beat either. He could drop into the slot, uh, and they can do single high safety, uh, and it it would be like riding a bike. You you go back into his normal role. Uh, It it, there's a lot of options there. Uh, They want a lot of guys that are able to do a lot of different things uh, you, you mentioned Converse uh, he is another guy that I think could probably do the same exact thing as Carter uh, I don't think he's yeah. at the level of Carter yet but I could see him doing the same exact thing uh, and if uh, it, it, there's always a next guy that's what I love about this, this team right now is that they have the depth to where they could be like alright this isn't working yeah, next guy. See what he can do. Now, if that's not working, oh, we got other options. Let's see what he can do. And we can do that mix and match. And I'm confident in this talent, uh, in the talent of this
0: depth, to really just step in and, and keep the ball moving. Yeah, I think so too. And I want to be clear that this is nothing against Michael Carter II as a cornerback. I'm, if anything, it's a compliment, and I'm saying he's so good as a cornerback in specific aspects that he could be trusted to go and play a different position on a whim and excel at it, and still, you know, be an asset to the team. And that he's capable of doing both. Not that he needs to, a position change. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I still think he's a cornerback and deserves to be a cornerback. But if it absolutely came down with to it and there really wasn't you know, any other option for them to play at free safety, they needed a body there, and they're more confident in the corners they have down the depth chart as opposed to their safeties down the depth chart. I think it's a possibility. I think it could happen. Uh,
1: correction. So Carter didn't have uh, more snaps than Joyner or Roy had last year. Uh,
0: but he was up there, though. But if anything, that's more of a reason why he would, might move into that role, because their yeah. safeties are going to be playing more snaps in their slot corner anyway, and he's so good he needs to be on the field. I, I could see it happen for sure. Oh, all right. That's an interesting wrinkle. I hadn't thought about that before today, but as we have workshopped it out here live, I really, I think it's a possibility. This will be something I bookmark for when the season happens that, that if we end up seeing Michael Carter at free safety, we can go back and be like, I said that in June, remember we were all here. I said it in June, um, let's get to the real show today. Like we've said, it is the off season. There isn't too much going on the off season and moves and draft and free agency and trades and all of that is pretty much set in stone at this point might be a couple of moves here and there worth note i'm sure the waiver wire once cut downs happen we'll have some action but for right now we are in a holding period and we have a lot of questions left unanswered so matt i'm going to toss things to you to kick this off we have a handful of questions left to answer these are the biggest questions left to answer for the jets ahead of the 2023 season go ahead and lead us off matt what's the first question we got to answer for this team
1: all right. I think the, the first question is a big one. It's a huge one. It's, what's the tackle situation going to look like uh, when uh, we enter week one? Or hell, when we enter training camp. Uh, right now, Brown is still rehabbing uh, his injuries uh, from last year, so he might not even be ready for training camp. So who's left to play left tackle? Well, that's Becton. Uh, I think Beckton will very quickly uh, start taking first team reps in training camp, uh, and he has a chance to really pull away with it. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are really behind Brown, and for good reason. He's had a great career. Uh, he's the kind of guy that will play through what he played through last year, the pain, and still not be absolutely horrible. He wasn't great last year, but you know what? Uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he is getting up there in age uh, so I understand why people are like, he should be our left tackle, because in the perfect world, he probably would be. But you know what? Missing that time uh, and being the age that he is and just the talent level of Beckton, I think Beckton has a good chance to, to really run away with it and show that he is the dominant force that we drafted with that high ceiling, with that giant body that can demolish a defender at, at his whim. Uh, that's the kind of guy that we want and yeah uh, and no offense to Brown but I, I think that uh, if all things are equal and uh, it, and Becton is, uh, is absolutely healthy I think he can win it uh, now the right tackle situation that's a little bit more of a question what happens there uh, would they move Brown or Becton to right tackle if they lose I don't know uh, I I've seen tape of Becton uh, doing some work uh, uh, coming out of his stance uh, uh, as if he was a right tackle and as a left tackle. So the fact that he's doing that leads me to believe that they want him to be versatile uh, in the off chance that he doesn't win. Uh, so that, that's, I think it's likely that if Becton does in fact lose the competition, that he will be moved to right tackle. Now, if Brown loses the competition, I don't think he gets moved right tackle um, I think they they respect him enough to not force him into that position uh, at this point in his career uh, that I I, I I could definitely it, it, it's as painful as it is with how much he's making to say oh he they would just make him the backup left tackle but i I, I do think that is what ha- will happen if Becton wins the competition but then we got to look at last year also like was there even really a competition for left tackle they just kind of said there was and then after like a week uh, Fant was at left tackle and Becton was at right tackle and then he got hurt uh, uh-huh. so it could be like that like a, a, a faux competition where uh, they'll have Beckton, uh there at left tackle to start training camp and then once Brown's healthy you're like oh you know what uh, competition's over Beckton, you go to right tackle, Brown at left tackle, which is very likely. Uh, I could definitely see that happening as well. Um, so I would say that's probably the most likely scenario, is that where Beckton is a placeholder until Brown gets back. Competition ends uh, with very very little fanfare. Beckton moves to right tackle, Brown at left tackle. Um, uh, uh, the next scenario after that is probably... Beckton at left tackle, Brown as a backup, and then uh, one of the younger guys battling it out for a right tackle.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. Uh, you, you laid out the scenarios pretty much perfectly. Uh, I mean, it's going to center on Dwayne Brown's health. It's going to center on how well he is playing and whether he is healthy enough to play, because just because he might be healthy enough to play doesn't mean that that injury might be hampering his play and making making him a worse option than somebody else. So that's going to be the first thing we got to find out is how healthy is Dwayne Brown and how good is Dwayne Brown? If he is healthy, Um, everything else is going to center around that uh, because I think in an ideal world, Dwayne Brown's the left tackle, Beckton's the right tackle. Those are your two best highest ceiling players, guys with the most starting experience in the NFL uh, for better or for worse uh, past Dwayne Brown, really. But that's the, the ideal pairing is those two in some sort of combination. Um, like I said, Matt, you laid it out pretty much well in terms of what could happen and how every scenario is going to play. Um, I'm going to jump in a little bit here, and I want to get your take on this afterwards as well. I'm going to say what I want to happen with this tackle situation, because it's, it's pretty specific for me. Um, Dwayne Brown is the Jets' last tackle if he is healthy enough to play point that, you he's He's making too much money. And he has only ever played left tackle in the NFL and been a pretty good one at that during the time he has been playing. We saw him even with a messed up shoulder and even with limited you know, time in training camp and practice and getting acclimated to the guys around him, come in on a whim and still put out a pretty dang good season at left tackle. Uh, it wasn't incredible. It wasn't great. I'm not sitting here saying Dwayne Brown's amazing and, and oh my God, look at this guy at 38 years old. But he was by no means a liability. He was by no means awful. He wasn't a, a horrendous dumpster fire of a player that was making it hard for the rest of the team to function. I, I would say there were periods of the season in 2022 when he was their best offensive lineman, and it was Dwayne Brown making sure the unit didn't completely and totally fall apart. I think he is your left tackle. And I'm sorry, Mikai Becton, you're a right tackle. Like For this year, at least that's how it's, it's got to be. You got to make that transition. And this is why I want to see the Jets actually learn from their mistakes because, like you alluded to, we have the the tackle battle last off season of who's going to be left and who's going to be right. Is it going to be George Fant? Is it going to be Beckton? You have these two guys. They're both coming off knee injuries and they're both having to practice in the first part of the off season at both positions and flip flop back and forth to prepare in the event that they might be playing one side or the other. And then we get to training camp and. Very quickly, George Fant wins the left tackle job and he's the left tackle. And then we, what we saw afterwards pretty quickly was both of them got injured. I think there is something to, especially for when guys are coming back from an injury, not having to have them consistently move in awkward ways and and consistently do things that are uncomfortable and unnatural. When you are recovering from an injury as an athlete and you are trying to get back and train and get back to your form it is uncomfortable because you have this injury that feels different than what you're used to. That can make it harder to get muscle memory down. That can make it harder to absorb whatever sort of drill or training that you were trying to get in. And I think all the flip-flopping between Fant and Becton last year at the start of the offseason before we knew which side they were going to be playing, I think it really made it hard for them. Once we got the training camp and once they had to battle things out, and once they had to get sorted and, and however long it took for them to say, okay, you're on the left, Becton, you're on the right. Now you're only going to focus on that that side. That's a whole lot of wasted time. Before that, they spent practicing on the other side. And, And I think the Jets need to get rid of that. So for me, Dwayne Brown is the left tackle. Point blank period, he is your starter if he is healthy enough to play. If Dwayne Brown can't play left tackle, the left tackle should be Carter Warren or Max Mitchell because Carter Warren has only played left tackle at Pittsburgh, pretty much exclusively barring a slight bit of right tackle for one season as a rookie, pretty much been a left tackle the entirety of the time besides that. Max Mitchell has played and started on both sides. We've seen him start at right tackle in the NFL, but he has spent time in college at both sides and seems to be more comfortable and more experienced flip-flopping than other guys would be. We talked about it when he was drafted, Matt. There was a drive he had against Texas at LA Tech, where We're at uh, Louisiana, where he literally flip-flopped between left tackle and right tackle back-to-back-to-back to back to back on three different plays in the same drive. And that's really uncommon for a guy. So Mitchell's a special case. Right tackle should be Becton and Max Mitchell. And you'll have Dwayne Brown, Carter Warren on the left. I, I think that is the the best case for everybody to let everybody know their position, stick to their spot, and practice there and know when their role is going to be called up and not have to constantly be practicing two positions because they don't know what spot they might have to fit in. Ideally, yes, you want to be able to have the offensive linemen that are versatile and get your best five out on the field and just be like, okay, we'll just throw them wherever and they'll make it work because they're really good. If the Jets could have five guys that were capable of that, they'd have the best offensive line in the NFL. That's just not realistic for pro athletes. And so I think for a a team and an organization that prides themselves on making things easier on its players, constantly having to have guys worry where they're going to be instead of knowing their spot, practicing there, getting comfortable doing that one thing to be the best at what they need to be doing in that one role. I think that's the best way to do things going forward. That's clearly not what they're doing, but that's how (laughs) I feel. But that's how I feel it should be done. Yeah, I was, I was going to
1: say st- right after you were finished, like, well, yeah, but unfortunately, that's not yeah. what they're doing. Especially yeah. with Beckton, with him uh, practicing, uh, coming out of his stance from the left and the right. Um, but you, uh, you were speaking about how Max Mitchell uh, would switch sides uh, mid-game. You know who else did that? Becton. Becton also did that for a year where he would switch uh from left tackle to right tackle even within the, the game itself. Uh so Becton also has that ability. Uh I think the 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 biggest thing in the back of his head is the injury, uh and planting on that right knee. Uh which is probably his biggest uh complaint right now about playing right tackle. I'm not going to say that that is unwarranted. Um but you know what a even at left tackle he's gonna probably have to plant on that right knee uh now and then anyways uh if, if he's uh mirroring
0: or uh yep. with counters or anything of that matter anchoring he, against an anchoring. inside long arm you're gonna have to put that right leg backwards if you're exactly. a left tackle so it's gonna happen it's
1: gonna happen so it, it i i don't think that that's the biggest uh, the best excuse um but at the same time if 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 that's what he, if, if it's the actual worry that he's not going to be able to plant on it, then that doesn't really bode well for him staying healthy at either position. Um, so, yeah, I, I, your ideal uh, situation, I think, would be the ideal situation where they are able to just practice and practice at one position, uh, get that muscle memory, uh, and kind of just go from there. And, yeah, maybe... Uh, Warren would, would be the best uh, option, um, although young and inexperienced uh, in the NFL. Uh, I don't, I, I, that just sounds scary to me. Also, just saying that out loud because of Rodgers. This is right. this is a very big year uh, with a very valuable quarterback back there, and to entrust the left tackle position to a rookie. Um, who is on, un- uh, uh, doesn't have any, uh, uh, NFL experience uh, that, that seems very dangerous and careless unless he shows that he is amazing right out of the gate. Um, so even then I, I would be very timid and I would probably still want Beckton at left tackle, uh, if, if Brown is not healthy enough to go, uh, I would rather the experience. We know that Becton uh, can, ha, ha, has the ability to, to play left tackle at a high level uh, against even some of the best pass rushers in the, in the league. Uh, he's shown out well. So I would probably, just for the sake of Rodgers, uh, I would feel more comfortable with him at left tackle.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that whatsoever. And I think in a vacuum, when you're looking at this year of protect Rogers, go all out, win in 2023, that makes more sense to be prepared and have guys that can fill in and, you know, mix and match when you absolutely have to. And it's kind of the other side of the coin where. From a development standpoint, if Carter Warren spends all of his rookie season practicing at, you know, at right tackle, because that's where it's going to make sense for him to be the backup, then Dwayne Brown retires or gets cut next year and they move him over to the left side. You just wasted like you basically half wasted a rookie year of development because you're learning the plays, you're learning the terminology. Yeah, but you're going to have to go relearn all of your assignments because now it's completely flipped and you're the other tackle. So you're not it's it's not like just because you know the plays doesn't mean you know what you're doing. And then you have to flip your footwork and you have to flip your muscle memory and you have to relearn all the techniques that you might have learned as a from a pro offensive line coach. You have to learn them the other way and learn them in reverse. And it's just it's so much more difficult than people make it out to be for, for guys to just go and play wherever position they want. When you're a guard or you're a center, you know, it's a little bit different because you're not dropping as far back. You're not pass protecting from as much of an angle. You're not having to have as much of a kick set it's still difficult. It's still not easy. It's still learning a different role and learning a different side of the field, the side of the line, and what your responsibility is on each play. But for tackles especially, it's just so much to have to do. And I just think it's, it's making it so much harder for these guys to develop and grow when they're having to waste time doing something that inevitably they're not going to do. Okay, so how about this? Uh, for a theoretical uh,
1: tackle depth chart. If Brown is healthy, he is the left tackle with Carter as his backup. Uh, and then you have Becton at right tackle with Max and Billy Turner. Uh, at, or, yeah, Max has like a swing backup for uh, right tackle, and then Turner is just uh, depth. Uh, if Brown is unhealthy, then you have Becton at left tackle, uh, Carter as the the main backup, Max. Uh,
0: as the, the right tackle with Turner as uh, the depth for uh, right tackle. Uh, that would make sense to me. Uh, I think that would be the best way to do it. Um, I'm going to be honest, Matt, sitting here uh, workshopping this out. Dwayne Brown better be healthy. <laughs> he better be because, healthy. <laughs> because goodness gracious, if he's not uh, as, as excited as I am for Max Mitchell. And, and by the way, I, I wanted to mention this as well. He seems to be recovered from his medical issue. He, like I haven't it. heard, I haven't seen him miss a practice. He's been a full participant from what I've seen. He's been there. He's been present, hasn't been listed on any uh, injury reports. You know, I was really concerned with a, a blood clot disorder, making sure that was managed and that wasn't, you know, any risk to his life or, or, you know, overall health while he was playing, but he seems to have it under control. Otherwise he wouldn't be a full participant. And at every practice, like it's no problem. So I'm glad that's past him and, and as excited as I am for him, like, dude, you have like two or three starts. Like you were a fourth round pick a year ago that only played because of injury. You, you were you were gonna be a, a, a backup for your entire rookie season. And yeah, you played respectably solid uh, when he got thrust into action. But you know, like you said, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's 2023 in a year that's so big, trusting a starting tackle position to Max Mitchell in this scenario. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Uh uh we we have all these weapons
1: uh at wide receiver, a tight end at running back. Uh, but yeah, how, how, what, what can we see from them if our offensive line, uh, goes by the wayside? Uh, it's, it's a scary thought that all that could go to waste just because of our offense. Um, so how this shakes out is very important and how they form even
0: more important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a really interesting training camp to watch. This is going to be like where my focus goes immediately when training camp starts it is tackles. And what happens here? Um, yep, That's, that's where I'm going to focus on for sure. Moving right along from a line position that is lacking some depth to a line position that is overloaded with depth, the defensive line and we got to figure out how this rotation is going to look because they have so many bodies and so many mouths to feed. There's absolutely no way we know for sure. You know, who's going to be playing where? And a guy they just drafted in the first round, 15th overall, is going to have to fit into that mix too. So, Matt, I want to toss things to you real quick to start. Just who do you think is going to be, for lack of a better word, the odd man out of this defensive line? And who do you think might be the surprise guy that gets more snaps than we think? Hmm, that's a good question. I think the odd man
1: out is most likely going to be Franklin Myers. Um, I think that uh, JJ is going to probably take uh, the bulk of the, s- the snap uh, opposite Lawson on early down uh, with uh, JFM as kind of a rotational guy. Uh, I think uh, Clemens is going to get a lot more looks inside uh, and maybe be uh, even jump JFM for that second in line uh, on the outside as well. Uh, and then when it comes to to pass rush downs, I think it's going to be Hall and, and McDonald and Lawson, uh, going, uh, going full throttle. Uh, so really I see JFM being the odd man out. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of talk lately about interest in trading Huff, uh, whether it was just Huff or, uh, interest in our defensive line in general, because we are chock full of talent. Um, I yes McDonald and Huff are similar in that they are speed demons who will win with their first step and their explosiveness. Uh, but at the same time, I think that is absolutely needed in in bulk. I you, you really can't get enough of those guys. Um, especially when you have guys like Clemens and JFM and Lawson, uh who are just like the perfect complement to, to them. Uh, we can wear, use them on the early downs and then have fresh legs and McDonald and Huff on passing downs. Uh, I, I, I can definitely see all these guys getting a good chunk of work, but if somebody has to be the odd man out and get a, a reduction in snaps, I'm going to say it's Franklin Myers.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, I had had in our bold predictions episode that JFM will be traded. Um, because Michael Clemens is going to move in and take a lot more of his steps. Uh, and I still think that that's a, a solid prediction to have. Wouldn't say that I'm, I'm outright betting on it, but I, I feel pretty, pretty solid that there's a good possibility with that. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different of a route. I, I'm going to keep things a little more on the interior, because I agree with you. I think Bryce Huff's staying. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think the only way Bryce Huff gets traded is if Will McDonald is so good in training camp that they can't keep him off the field. And, and any snap that Bryce Huff would have taken needs to go to Will McDonald, like, so that he can be a superstar in year two. And, and as hopeful as I am for Will McDonald that that happens, I'm not ready to bet on it and say, oh, yeah, it's going to be he's going to be so good right away. They won't need Bryce Huff. I think having two guys with that amount of speed and bend and explosion and, and threat to an offensive line uh, that forces quarterbacks to step up into the waiting arms of a Quinn and Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. or a Michael Clemens or a JFM. I think those guys are really important. I don't think they're just going to give them away for free. So I think all their edges are going to stay. And I think all their edges are going to get their, their swings at the bat and their opportunities to go after guys. The guy I think is going to be pushed down the depth chart is going to be the new found face in the room. Quentin Jefferson. I know that he is mainly a pass rush special t- specialist. We're waiting yeah. to see how he can handle full-time starter snaps. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I'm, I would say I'm skeptical even uh, to see how he's going to handle being a full-time starter and, and take on rundowns and not just have Quinnen having to take on every double team and make tackles in the run game anyway, like we saw a lot last year. You know, I'm, I think he is going to, to see his time going down, mainly for the reason that I think my unexpected guy that's going to get more snaps is going to come in there are a few people on this earth that love anything as much as Robert Sala loves Solomon Thomas. And I think (laughs) Solomon Thomas is going to be playing way more snaps than he should be. Like a point blank period. I think it's going to be more than he needs to where he's just hasn't been the quality of player that he was expected to be when he was taken third overall huge miss in my evaluation. I loved him coming out of Stanford, thought he'd be an excellent edge rusher that clearly didn't work. He's tried to move inside. We've seen sparing results, but nothing really consistent. But Saul loves this guy, and he loves everything about him, and he loves his attitude, and he loves how hard he plays. And I have to give it to him. He plays hard. He plays you know, with an edge. He's not taking any plays off or anything like that. So uh, you're going to see the, the space next to and Williams is going to be a rotating door, and I think we're going to see a lot more of Solomon Thomas than, than anyone thinks.
1: Ugh, that makes me sad, because I don't think Solomon mm-hmm. Thomas has any uh, right to, to get any... More snaps than a guy like Quentin Jefferson or even a guy like Clemens. Uh, I think both of those guys, uh, and or even think. JFM for that matter, <laughs> should be priority uh, on pass rush down. Uh, and yeah. see, but here's the thing: I I think Quentin Jefferson is also going to get some looks uh, on early downs as well uh, to relieve Al Woods, uh, because other than Q. Uh, there's really nobody else that I think uh, has the experience to yeah. really uh, kind of jump in that role and kind of fill the, the, the void that was left by Rankin. Um, so, yeah, Woods is going to get a good chunk of those rundown uh, snaps. Uh, but it, it, I really see Quentin Jefferson kind of picking up the slack. Unless they see Clemens as the guy they can't take off the field. If he becomes that much of a force next to Quinnen, then yeah, absolutely Jefferson Jefferson's, Jefferson's going to get pushed down, uh, and for good reason because at that point it's it, it, But that that that's kind of the the Will McDonald uh, uh, the right. the theory. If they're that good, then yeah, they should they deserve all the snaps in the world. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah it, uh, I just can't get Thomas getting more snaps than he should out of my head because it just bothers me. Um, oh, yeah. But, no,
0: it's not a fun prediction. I'm sorry. This time, not all of them are always good and fun and, and sunshine and rainbows, but, but I'm, I'm fairly certain Solomon Thomas is going to play like at least 35% of defensive snaps this year. And I, I have all of these guys making the team. I don't think any of these guys are not
1: making the team. I, I yeah. think we're going to have probably 10 defensive linemen altogether. Let's see what that would be. Clemens, McDonald, Lawson, uh, Jefferson, Thomas. Uh, that's five Woods, uh, Quinnen. Uh, that's seven, and then you got Huff, Huff and Jermaine, KJ, is nine. Eight, and Franklin Myers. So ten. Uh, I think all ten of them make it, and yeah, I bar, barring uh somebody offering uh something
0: that we can't refuse, I think we keep all ten for the whole season. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. I, I'm my Jer- John Franklin Myers gets traded prediction was in the line of like the Michael Clemens he's too good to keep off the field prediction and that yeah. if that happens and he gets to that level then then JFM becomes expendable and they'll get what they can for him to keep Clemens on the field but, but that's a wait and see it's going to be laughable how many more snaps Quinn Williams plays than any other defensive tackle on this team he's going to yeah. like if Quentin plays less than like 75% of defensive snaps the Jets did something wrong well that's what he played last year <laughs> he only played like 60% yeah, well, they, they had, at least they had Rankins. At least they yeah. had Rankins. Like, they had a, somebody else. They still, they had Solomon Thomas as well, but he wouldn't have to be expecting to get full starter reps because Rankins could at least play the run okay. He wasn't horrendous. He wasn't great, but at least he could be somewhat serviceable to where he could be your, your down-to-down starter. They don't have any other down-to-down starter besides Quinnen. They have Quinnen, and then they have guys who are role specialists.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And Rankins wasn't a guy that I ever wanted to be in that role uh, on early downs. He's no. always been a password specialist. Uh, but you know what? That's, uh, that's why I see a lot of similarities between him and Jefferson. Uh, and how I think that Jefferson can kind of step into that role uh, without the need for him to be the end all everything with Woods also in the mix. And because we didn't have a guy like Woods last year. We had that, that no, that we just had Quinn going page. superhuman. Exactly. We just had Quinnen being Quinnen. Uh and then Rankins just had to to keep pace and, and he got a lot of opportunities because of Quinnen. Um so the fact that we have Woods I think gives us a little bit more uh leeway this year. Um and to be uh a little bit, you know,
0: more judicious with uh the snaps behind them. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Uh, I, I really hope we see a, a good bit. I hope Quinnon plays a lot, and, and I hope everybody else subs in when it is time for them to sub in. Uh, just mm-hmm. keep yeah. Quinnen on the field a lot, let everybody else, you know, rotate in around him, but make sure he is it, it, lined up between a, an offensive tackle and the other offensive tackle somewhere. Just get him on that line <laughs> and let him work. Yep, agreed. All right, moving right along. Next question here with the roster, looking at the depth on this team. Let's turn to the running back position. It's been a lot of talk about Brees Hall, a lot of talk about possibly Dalvin Cook coming in. So That begs the question, who is the running back two? We all know Brees Hall is the running back one. We're waiting to see how he's recovering, although early signs are looking really, really promising. Be excited to see him in training camp. Seems like he might be, you know, a full go and not have too many restrictions and, and be Ready to get working doesn't seem like playing week one is out of the realm of possibility at all. So very excited for that. But Matt, the question is, like I said, who is the running back to And I think we have to factor in here that he might not be on the roster yet because maybe it's Dalvin Cook. Yeah, maybe it is Dalvin Cook, and I can definitely see it.
1: I uh, I get uh I, I saw it somewhere on on Twitter earlier, and I got the same feeling. Uh, L L, L uh, Thomason kind of vibes where. You have uh, an, an established running back, uh, and you, you bring in that, that guy that produced so much in his career to really just be the other guy, to be uh, the, the safety net, uh, and to be that lightning that we need. And Cook can be that guy. I can see him being that guy and playing that role at this point in his career. He's only 27, so he's not like the oldest man in the world uh but at the same time he's got a lot of tread on those tires uh or not he, he he's worn off a lot of that tread on those tires rather and uh, I, he might be on the downswing of his career so not being the bell cow uh is probably something that uh i could see him wanting to be i could see that being a role that he can thrive in um and i think that with the likelihood of of Hall not being 100% right away, uh, it, it kind of puts that need for uh, for a guy like Cook or somebody with the experience, uh, with the, the pedigree to, to really uh, step into that role. Yeah, we got uh, Izzy. Yeah, we got Carter. Yeah, we got Bam. Uh, but there's also a lot of question marks there. Uh, you got Izzy who hasn't taken a, a single snap in, in the NFL. You have Carter who who is coming off a down year and may have lost his mojo. Uh, and then you have Bam who's an undrafted free agent who just flashed here and there but at the same time also looked like an undrafted free agent uh, a lot of the times as well. So, and, and I believe he's hurt now as well. I don't believe he took any uh, uh, snaps outside of uh, uh, the medical. Uh, without I don't the medical believe set. so. Not during so, as he is. Not during OTA. So there's a lot of questions there. And in a season that's so uh, special and so and with so much writing on it, uh, I think that they're going to want to sew up a lot of these question marks. Uh, and that would mean bringing in a vet like Cook. Uh, so I think it's
0: likely that we bring in somebody, even if it's not Cook. Yeah, I, I think it certainly is possible. Um, I have a little bit of a different take on it, though. First and foremost, um, Dalvin Cook's a fine player would not be opposed to uh, having another fine player on the roster. A guy that we've talked about a lot that can replicate someone like Brees Hall with the speed and the explosion wouldn't be against that in the slightest. The issue for me is price. And I think Dalvin Cook wants a contract that's going to be worth way more than what any running back two in the NFL should be making. And unless you're willing to sit here and say Dalvin Cook is the Jets starting running back over Brees Hall and they should sign him to a contract worth 11 or more million dollars in a season to be that starting running back, then you're paying for premium for a name and you're paying for the, the caliber of player that you're getting is not going to be worth the price that you're giving him for the amount of snaps that he is going to be bringing your team. If Dalvin cook is your starting running back, that's a different story, but I don't think anybody in the world thinks the jets are taking the ball out of Brees' Hall's hands anytime soon. And that he is the unquestioned leader in that backfield. So if you're looking for a running back, too, if Dalvin Cook wants to come play on a one year deal for five million dollars, sign me up. Let's do it. Bring him in. Not going to have any questions or or concerns about it whatsoever. But if he wants starting level money, the Jets aren't ready or able or should be paying starting level money to a guy to be a backup player. And it's just it's as easy as that. So I'm not going to spend too much time on Dalvin Cook. It's all about price for me. But I do think there's a chance that they bring in somebody. And I think it won't happen right away. I think it's going to wait till they get to training camp and they get pads on and they see what they have in a Bannackanda. Uh, I really think that is their their bread and butter of what they're waiting on because Michael Carter, God bless him, I hope he gets better. I I hope I really really hope with all of my heart that that Carter has a resurgence and looks more like the guy we saw. Uh, in his rookie season, because he is a great piece of this backfield, his ability as a receiver, he's capable in pass protection. He's very willing in pass protection as well. Runs through contact well, low center of gravity can be a solid goal line back and fight through small creases and and squirt through and get into the end zone. I want Michael Carter to succeed, but I am so discouraged by what I saw last year that it makes me hard. Makes it hard for me to believe that that's going to be the case. Um, Izzy is a an, an unknown. We are very excited. We're very hopeful. I have very, very high hopes for this kid, but he's still an unknown at this point, and he's still going to be a rookie, and it's going to be an adjustment. And Bam, like you said, was an undrafted free agent that's coming off an injury. So if they get to training camp and and Carter doesn't seem like he's back to his old self and, and Izzy's good, but he's not quite picking things up as quick or he's not turning heads like we saw at a Brees Hall in training camp where we were starting to go, OK, we might really have something here then I think they could look to the free agent market and they could look to add somebody in. But I don't think it's going to be a huge name. I don't think it's going to be a, a Dalvin Cook. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a, a Kareem Hunt even. I'm not even sure who it would be, but that would be a position that I would watch for for waiver cuts. When roster cuts happen and teams start having to make tough decisions on who's going to be on their team or not, that's when I think you could see the Jets find a running back get free that they like that fits their scheme and go, oh, okay, you're ours now. And now you can be the running back, too. And we'll just roll with that. But it's it, this position's wide open behind Brees Hall. Any of the three of them can take the running back, too, job for themselves. It is anyone's take.
1: Yep, I, I kind of agree with you that they're probably going to wait. There's no rush to this. Uh, it doesn't seem like any other teams are in a rush either to, to be uh, signing any of these guys. Because there, there's a lot of names out there, too. You got Cook. You got Fournette. You have Hunt. You have Elliott. You have yep. Kenyon Drake. You have Daryl Henderson. So You have a lot of guys that have taken a lot of snaps and have ha- have a track record in this league uh, who could definitely step in and fill this role. Yeah, it doesn't need to be Cook. Uh, I, Cook is just the, the big name that's being thrown around right now, but there are a number of guys that it could be. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. Just wait. There's no rush. Let's yep, see what we have. Enough. We, we, we'll, if, we've, if we find lightning in a bottle again with Izzy, then great, we don't need to do anything, we're, we're set there uh, if Carter uh, shows his uh, w- goes back to what he does best and make people miss left and right, then great, we're set awesome, we're, we're good uh, if Bam gets healthy and, and takes a leap forward great, awesome <laughs> Great.
0: Let's, let's just wait and see you're absolutely yeah. right, just wait and see yeah, I think that's best-case scenario. Uh, I am a believer that you need two capable running backs on your roster to succeed in the NFL. You need two. You need a guy that you're, you know, however they want to shake out snap percentage, 1A, 1B, clear 1 and a 2, however it works. You need a two capable running backs for when the one guy gets tired, you have another one to come in and sub. After that, you can fill the gaps in with jacks. You don't need stars. You don't need to spend a bunch of money. You don't need to spend high draft picks. Like you just listed, here's all the running backs that are free agents. Next year, there's going to be a list just as long as guys that are free agents. Some of the best running backs in the sport right now can't get paid, Uh, can't get anything. Uh, Austin Eckler asked for a a trade and a raise by carrying the Chargers offense, basically. uh, On his back, when Justin Herbert was locked at a terrible offense, throwing five-yard stick routes all game, Austin Eckler's like, okay, I'll just go out and, and score three touchdowns myself and we'll try and win. He asked for a raise. He couldn't get it. You know, nobody is getting what they want. Saquon's still not getting what he wants. As a running back, this is a terrible time to be in business, and it's great for NFL teams because all of these guys are available and they all aren't going to make anything. So find that second capable runner. You have one in Brees Hall. Let's see if any of the other three you have in the backfield right now can step up and be that second one. If not, that's when you have to bring somebody in.
1: Yep, I completely agree. And this is all the names that we mentioned. Those are just the ones that are available right now. After cutdowns, there could be Mm -hmm. a number of other guys as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last but not least here, let's get to one of the bigger questions we got to talk about. Something that I think is only a question for right now and eventually will be uh, expected to happen. But are the Jets going to be on Hard Knocks? Are they going to be the team that gets followed throughout the summer and has the behind the scenes documentary? taking a look at their offseason, I think everyone expects them to be. They are one of the handful of teams that are eligible uh, to, you know, have, I think it's not be a playoff team and not have a coach that's in their first or second year are are the requirements uh, the year before. So the Jets are one of the handful that fit that. We don't know what's going to happen or when or which team is going to take things over because no official announcement has been made. But As of right now, it seems likely that it's going to be the Jets, and the Jets, have, as they have made it very clear themselves, they don't want to be the Hard Knocks team. The NFL can force them legally if they absolutely refuse, but I'm really, Matt, I think that's what the holdup is, is I think that the NFL is waiting the Jets out to see if they'll cave so that they don't have to force them, and then when the Jets don't cave, they're going to be forced into it.
1: Yeah, there's there's something telling about the fact that they haven't uh, made this decision yet on who is going to be the the hard knocks team? Uh, I think it's because no team really wants it, and, and so they're just kind of like probably going back and forth. The teams like, all right, all right, let's, come on, it won't be that bad. Uh, and really, I if it, if we are chosen, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, just look at the last time we were on hard knocks, and we went to the AFC uh, championship game. So it, there's. No direct correlation between being on hard knocks and not having a successful season. Uh, so, that right there is not something I'm worried about. Um, I know the uh, as Sala probably does not want uh, any extra attention uh, than there already will be. And there will be a lot of attention. Uh, but it, it, in all in all, we already have our own internal hard knocks. So, it doesn't really even really matter if we get hard knocks or not uh we're going to get the same kind of coverage uh either way so in the end if it's us great if it's not great <laughs> it, it doesn't matter uh yeah. there's it's a redundant at this point um i i think it's likely to to probably be announced uh maybe in the next uh week or so because I'm, i imagine it's going to happen before training camp starts it's gotta be announced before training camp starts, and especially with the Jets, they're starting a little earlier than all the other teams uh because uh we are we are in uh the first uh playoff game against the browns uh so with that looming uh I think maybe the the uh I think it's been rumored that the training camp could start around July nineteenth so that's not too far away uh no, it's not. so This decision needs to come soon. Uh, So if it is the Jets, even sooner.
0: Yeah, agreed. I I really couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to echo everything you just said uh, and really give our listeners here, which I hope would be smart enough and and would assume would be smart enough to know this already. But being on hard knocks will not ruin the Jets season. It it will not impact their performance. It will not make it so that all the cameras and spotlights are on them and and they're going to crack under the pressure because Quite honestly, if that's the case and they're going to crack under the pressure, the, the pressure in the spotlight's going to be there anyway. So that's going to happen regardless. If the extra cameras of Hard Knocks is going to be what does them in, then uh, they weren't ready for it anyway. Because how many primetime games are they going to be in this year? How many offseason, you know, morning shows on ESPN or Good Morning Football or anything else have been talking about Aaron Rodgers and and what concert he was at or what conference he was speaking at or or anything Mm -hmm. else that could be going on uh, around this team and around Aaron Rodgers since that trade has been made. They're in the spotlight. They're under it and they're going to be under it all season. They're going to have the target on their backs. They're going to be the team that everybody wants to see for better or for worse. That's going to happen anyway. And so, if hard knocks is what's going to get in the way of this, then if you're if you're listening and you're worried about that, take a deep breath and don't be, because it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things whatsoever. I think it's very clear though that the Jets don't want to be on. And yeah. Sala came outright himself and said, you know, I'm just speaking for me and how we feel, but we don't want it. And you know, they can make their decision, but we are very clear. We know that's not what we want because Sala knows the the stakes of this season, and it's not that he thinks this is going to cause any problems and ruin their season. He just doesn't want any other distractions for this team in such a pivotal pivotal year that I think any coach in his position would feel the exact same way. That's why you don't see many NFL coaches lining up to be on it. That's why you don't see many people chomping at the bit to be like, oh, yeah, we want to be the hard knocks team this year. It never happens. And it's not uncommon. And I think the Jets are the NFL is trying to avoid the optics of the NFL force the Jets to be on hard knocks. And that's what's taking so long. But inevitably, that's what's going to happen because no other team is going to be as good for ratings.
1: It's true. Uh, I would say the only real downside to being on Hard Knock is that since it's going to be at a national level, uh, other teams are going to get maybe a better look at some of the guys that we have that are on the bubble that maybe we want to bring back for our uh, practice squad uh and maybe those guys get eaten up uh, a little faster from other teams but you know what that's something that's been a, a trend change uh starting last year where we lost yeah. a lot of guys uh that we really wanted back like pinnock who went to the the giants and became an actual uh, a a starting safety for them who we actually could use right now uh yeah, so, that. It, it, I think this is something that's going to happen anyways, uh, where teams are going to really look at the guys that we don't keep and probably snatch them up either way. So, even that isn't even a real concern. Uh, so, th- there's really no reason to not want it. Uh, it, it I mean, I understand Salah's reasoning. Uh, well, actually, he never even really gave a reasoning other than he, he just didn't want it.
0: Yeah, uh, we're inferring here, but but the reasoning seems pretty, pretty uh, cut and dry. Yeah. Uh,
1: Either way, I think it's fine. Uh, Hopefully we we find that out pretty soon.
0: Yeah, uh, I think so too. Um, You mentioned other teams potentially looking and seeing guys that might not make the roster and getting some inside info. If you're a good NFL scouting staff, you should have been doing that already. And, and you should be looking for any info you can get. And if you can get it through hard knocks, then great. I would hope the jet staff watches it every year for the same reason to see if there's any other teams that might be on it that they could get some inside look at. That's the nature of the beast. That's that's part of the equation. And I'm sure, you know, if we want to be worried as Jets fans in our little bubble and vacuum and say, oh, no, the other teams might get an inside look. Yeah, well, the Jets have done it every other year before that, too. And so sometimes you got to pay your price. So I'm not too, too broken up about that. I, I think, like you said, it's a very good thing that there might be enough talent on this roster to that, to when they get to the point of needing to cut it down, that other teams might be interested in who they have on it. Uh, you know, I think that's, that speaks to the quality of this roster. When just a handful of years ago, when we first started this show, we were sitting there doing our roster preview going, yeah, they pretty much need everything <laughs> and they don't really have, it's like they have Quinn and Williams and he's pretty good. And, and that that's it? about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it. You know, they've, they've come such a long way in such a short time that that I'm viewing this as a positive. And if they are on Hard Knocks, cool. It'll give me something to watch in the summer while there's nothing to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, either way, we'll be watching something. Whether it's one we'll jet
0: or or Hard Knocks. Yeah, 100%. Well, that does it for us this week, Matt. I appreciate you stopping by and taking your time to talk with me here. Let the people know where they can find you, and we can wrap this one up. Uh, Matt, you can find me at ZazzyJet. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Make sure you guys are also following the show at OKD podcast. And we will be back real, real soon to continue breaking down this offseason. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Bye bye.